You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to open up. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to uh, Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32, if this is your very first application Sunday, we do this every six weeks. So every six weeks, we've got breakfast provided. We start a little bit later um, because we want that extended fellowship time from 1030 to 11. That's just a chance for for you to connect with people that maybe you don't get a chance to talk to very often just based on schedules. Sometimes I know how it is. um, You're you're running here trying to get here when church starts, and then you've got things that maybe you've got to get to right after church. And so um, we try to build in some additional time for you just to be able to connect, talk, uh, maybe meet some people that you haven't met or talk to some people that you haven't talked to in a while. So uh, we do this every six weeks. Um, And then from the sermon side of things, it's a chance for us just to regroup and talk about and review some of the things that we've been looking at over the past five weeks. And so instead of just plowing through sermon after sermon after sermon, it's a chance for us to just pause, uh, as we saw last week, to be still and to, to really just contemplate and meditate upon what God's been teaching us so that we're faithfully seeking to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And so we want to break that habit of just listening to sermon after sermon after sermon. We want every six weeks for there to be a time where we just say, okay, what have we heard the last five weeks? What are we doing with that um, before we move on? And so um, we'll do this again in six weeks, but excited to do it together today. So let's pray together and we'll jump right in. Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you for your goodness and grace to us. Lord, we thank you that we can gather once again this morning to worship you, uh, to dive into your word and to learn more about you as we're seeing through the book of Psalms. Uh, Lord, just a knowledge of who you are and how you've provided for your people over the centuries is so important to our faith today. Uh, It gives us the confidence needed to know that you are working and that you are moving, that you're providing and guiding even today. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. I pray that you would continue to give us uh, just a deeper understanding, a deeper awareness of who you are, the love that you have for us, uh, the care that you give to us. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would be with our time today, help it to be an encouragement and also a, a time of conviction where we need it as well. pray that you'd strengthen our faith as we prepare to leave today, Lord. Uh, equip us um, to have our emotions this week impacted, not by our changing circumstances, um, but by your covenant that remains true, that does not change. And uh, so, Lord, we look forward to you furthering our faith today as we look into your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so... Uh, If you're keeping score at home, here are the psalms that we have covered since we started our series, um, I guess back at the the last part of the fall. Um, So first section between, uh, or since before our last application Sunday, we covered Psalm 34, Psalm 100, Psalm 106, Psalm 37, Psalm 20, Psalm 8, Psalm 98, Psalm 90. Psalm 111, Psalm 112, and Psalm 27. And we talked specifically, and so these are some points from last application Sunday, things that we should remember from the Psalms. Psalms reminds us of the assurance that God always remembers his people and the tendency for God's people to often forget him, right? So we've been talking about how we're prone to remember, uh, or we're, we're prone to forget God, whereas he always remembers us, but we usually flip that. We usually think in terms of uh, God has forgotten us. Um, but that's simply not the case. God always remembers his people. It's us who tend to forget him. Psalms reminds us that God's timing is different than ours. 
um, different than what we desire or expect sometimes, but he's always carrying out his acts of covenant care. He's always working and moving for his people. And then third, we said that Psalms reminds us to praise God, most noticeably through song, as an act of worship and trust for what we believe about him. That song, singing, should be a natural outflowing of what our heart is feeling and believing about God through his word. And so things that we were challenged to do last time, have a targeted plan time to be in God's word, uh, to prioritize God's word, because if you're not prioritizing God's word, then we have no reason to wonder why we are the way that we are, that God's word is what shapes us and changes us. And so we must put ourselves into God's word um, if we're going to be changed. Number two, to be ready and willing to filter your life's daily episodes through the bigger storyline of what you know God has promised to do. So take your daily episodes and filter that through what we're seeing in Psalms as this bigger picture of what God's planning to do, what God has promised to do, uh, both from beginning to end. So daily episodes, daily experiences, those aren't the whole story, right? If you're, your, your favorite TV show, you're watching an episode, that's not the whole story. It, fits into a bigger storyline, and so our daily lives do as well. We need to remember that. And then lastly, we talked about contributing to making singing a normal way of expressing your love, devotion, and trust in God, right? To come on Sundays with a mindset of singing, desiring to sing, wanting to sing. And I told you that while I don't naturally like to sing, I find that when I'm in God's Word faithfully, and then I'm put in a position to sing, it feels very natural at that point to sing. It's an overflow of what I've been meditating upon and thinking about to be put in a position to sing, whether it's at this church or whether it's at another church. Whenever I'm put in a position to sing, I can't help but sing in response to to God's word. And so I encourage you that your, your time in God's word will oftentimes translate to your comfortability in singing when you're gathering with God's people. All right, so today we're going to look back at Psalm 32. 121, 136, 26, and 46. And so five psalms that we're going to look at today. And I, I think I had told you that we were probably going to stop at psalms after today. But in, in praying and thinking and planning, I think we're going to continue with psalms uh, until the summertime. So we're going to keep looking at psalms. And then I think, unless the Lord changes, my plan for the summer is for us to go back to the Gospels and particularly look at parables of Jesus. And so through the summer, I want to teach through um, a variety of parables that, that Jesus used in his ministry. And so that's kind of where we're going over the next couple of months with our teaching series. We're going to stay in Psalms a little bit longer, and then we're going to transition back to the New Testament, particularly to the Gospels, and look at some of the parables that Jesus taught or, or used in his teaching ministry. So that's kind of where we're going in the next uh, couple of months. All right, Psalm chapter 32 Five weeks ago or six weeks ago, uh, we looked at Psalm 32, the blessing of forgiveness. We said, blessed is the individual who is willing to uncover their sin and accept responsibility for their action by bringing their darkness into the light so it can be covered by God's grace and cleansed by Christ's blood. Psalm 32, verse 5 says, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. 
you have David writing about not covering your sin and then also having your sin covered, right? And so we talked about the, the man of integrity, the, the man who's following Jesus, the woman who's following Jesus, uh, the child who's following Jesus, uh, an, an example or a, a manifestation that we are truly following Jesus is what we do with our sin. We don't cover it. We don't hide it, right? We don't make excuses for it. We don't try to justify it. We bring it into the light. We confess it, right? And so we talked a little bit about how even in 1 John, when, when John talks about walking in the light, not walking in darkness, that sometimes we read that passage and think, man, how can anybody live up to this standard of, of always doing right and never doing wrong? And we talked about how that's not really what John's talking about. He's saying that to walk in the light is to bring your sin into the light with you, to not tuck it away and hide it in the darkness. And so David's echoing these same things from the Old Testament. He says that we're to acknowledge our sin, to not cover our iniquity, and yet our sin does need to be covered, right? And so we bring that into the light, and by bringing it into the light, Jesus covers it. Jesus covers it with his blood. And so blessed is the individual who's willing to uncover their sin, take responsibility, not, not lie about it, not, not create a cover-up for their sin, but they bring it into the light, and it's there that God's grace meets it, and Christ's blood covers it. And so we talked about conviction leading to confession, that we're honest with ourselves, we're honest with God. And what we're prone to do, or at least what I'm prone to do, is, is to, it, to see my sin, to feel pressure and conviction about my sin, and then to try to do something good to atone for it. That's the, that's the natural human response is to try to make up for my sin. Let me do something for you because I've done something against you. And instead, the gospel says that we admit our sin and we also admit the fact that I can't, I can't fix it. I can't atone for it. I can't do anything to make it right. It's only by Jesus' blood that I can be made right. Um, we talked about, uh, uh, from the application standpoint that week, what tendencies do you have to wrongly deal with your sins? Let me bring that question back up. When you're not doing this, when you're not bringing your sin into the light, when you're not properly acknowledging it and humbling yourself and bringing it for God's forgiveness and his covering, when you're not seeking reconciliation with, a, with another human being that you've wronged, what is your tendency? Is your tendency to hide it? to cover it, to lie about it, to justify it, to minimize it, to excuse it, even to seek some type of self-atonement for it? What is your tendency to mishandle sin? Because I think it's important that we identify that. I told you my, my tendency is, is not necessarily to hide it, but to try to cover it by doing something to divert your attention, basically. Hey, forget about what I did there and just think about what I'm doing right now to make up for it. And that's not an act of humility. That's an act of, of spiritual pride because I don't want to really admit my fault. I want to draw attention to my goodness, right? So what is your tendency to do wrongly with your sin? And then you've got to push back against that, right? And it starts by you identifying it. You've got to be honest with yourself and say, here's what I typically do with my sin if I'm not walking in the light. And once you identify that, then that helps you. It helps you push back against it the next time that you find yourself in a situation where you have the option to bring it into the light or you have the option to keep doing what you normally do with it, right? Psalm chapter 32, blessed is the, for, uh, blessed is the one who is forgiven and we're forgiven by bringing our sin into the light. The next Psalm that we looked at in this uh, in-between time of application Sundays was Psalm 121. 
So if you want to flip over to Psalm 121. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This section talks about my God keeping me. Believers are provided God's ongoing help that keeps them safe from all worldly threats. Because not only does God provide round-the-clock care for his people, he also rules over every threat found in this world. All right? And we talked about the mountains here in this passage. Are the mountains good or bad? And I think they could be both. Right? The mountains for a city or a village provide safety. They provide a haven of, of safety because they protect sometimes from the elements. But then there's also a fear factor that comes with the mountains because in the mountains there's certain dangers that are hidden and, and kind of wait potentially to trap. We talked about the, the ways that these uh, travelers would, um, would go by mountaintops and, and hills and, and this is, would be areas where uh, thieves and robbers could hide and then would attack. Um, and so there was a threat that came with the mountains too. And so the psalmist is looking to the mountains and you could see both sides. Where does my help come from? Well, it doesn't come from the hills because God is better than the protection of the mountains. But we also look to the hills and say, my God's better than the threats that come from the mountains as well. He does not remove our fearful situations, but he does rule and reign over anything that threatens you. Verse 3 and 4 say, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He talks about later in the psalm the protection that he gives from the sun and the moon, meaning that he promises to guard us from falling in the daytime, and he also promises to guard us while we sleep during the night. It's a psalm that really describes the all-encompassing care of God whether it's daytime or nighttime, whether you're coming or whether you're going, whether you're asleep or whether you're awake, our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, who made the mountains, who oversees and controls the threats in our life, right? So there's no disease that, that doesn't submit to God. There's no, there's no army. There's no leader that doesn't submit to God. Even if they don't willfully do that with their heart, they are still under the rule and reign of Christ, right? He rules over the entire world. And so we, we, we have help coming from the one who can provide the best help possible. The psalmist here would remind us that um, our worst fears, our worst fears need to be funneled through the truths found here in Psalm 121. That God gives us that round-the-clock care that we need. Provides great comfort to us. Psalm 136 is where we went next. And you'll remember this is the the psalm where the repeated phrase is mentioned over and over and over and over again. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Why is this phrase repeated so often in this psalm? It's because it's such an important phrase that we shouldn't forget it. That his steadfast love endures forever. The loving acts of God seen in the creation of the world and the redemption of his people give us assurance that his steadfast love endures towards his people even today giving us reason to praise him by trusting him. You'll remember at the beginning of Psalm 136, there's this focus on God's creative power, right? That he's the one who created heaven and earth. He's the one that created nature. He's the one that created the things that we see in nature, right? He does these great wonders where he, uh, he creates water, he creates dry land, he creates the great lights, he creates the moon and the stars. The creative God is still working for you today. 
right? But then there's a transition that happens in verse 10 where the psalmist begins to describe not the creative God, but the covenant-keeping God towards his people. And it's that covenant-keeping God that protects us and provides us or provides for us, not just in a general sense, right? God provides for the whole world. He provides for the, the unbeliever as well, right? The Bible tells us that uh, God causes the rain to come on the crops of the, the Christian farmer and the, un, and the non-Christian farmer, right? So there's a general provision that God gives, but we see a more specific, intentional, covenantal type care in verses 10 and following in Psalm 136, where God is looking out for his people. He's caring for his people. I also told you that this is the, the, the Exodus account, the Exodus story of God releasing the people of Israel from Egypt carrying them through the wilderness. It is a story that Old Testament and New Testament writers come back to often. And, and, I, and I said, well, why is that the case? And I told you it's because this is really where God begins to show himself not towards just a family, right? Because if you were growing up in Egypt, your familiarity with Yahweh, your understanding of God was how he had basically brought the flood on the earth, Right? After creating the world, he has to judge the world with the flood. And then he began to work with your great, 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 great granddaddy, Abraham. Right? And that he worked with, with those people and your, and your cousins from long ago. But there had been about 400 years where you hadn't really seen him maybe working actively. The, the last you had heard from him was when he told Abraham and his people, to, 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 uh, or uh, Jacob and his kids, to go down to Egypt. And then you've been a slave in Egypt, and now God is working and moving for the Israelite nation that he, is, that he has brought up. And you'll remember, if you read in the book of Exodus, uh, the people that leave Egypt, they're not just physical descendants of Abraham. There are other people that kind of jump into that group as well, right? We see a grafting early in the Old Testament of Gentiles being brought into that nation. But it's when God begins to work and move for this national people that becomes such an important uh, important event that they keep coming back to the fact that this is where God's covenant-keeping presence really becomes known, not just to a family group, but to a large people group. Psalm 136 talks about how God's love can be understood by his goodness, his sovereignty, his miracles, his wisdom, and then his deliverance from enemies. All these great kings are highlighted as falling because of God's care and provision. His enduring love, it's steadfast. And if it was steadfast for his people back in Exodus, it remains steadfast today. We talked last week about how uh, this isn't like talking about Michael Jordan and how great of a basketball player he was back in the day, right? Our God didn't peak in the Old Testament. Our God didn't hit his prime in the Old Testament. He's still in his prime now, right? You don't have to talk about how good he was in the past. He's still good today. Michael Jordan can't play basketball like he could years ago today. But our God still works and moves in the same wondrous ways today for us. And that brings great comfort and hope to us. So the history of Israel, when that really shapes how we believe about God today, we praise him and trust him just like our ancestors did. Um, Let's go to Psalm 26 next. Psalm 26, and this is a a week where we really dialed in and talking to our youth uh, because this passage, I think, is so important for our youth to understand. For an individual to biblically claim the favor of God in life, there must be a commitment to living with integrity, separating from the wicked influences of this world, and pursuing worshipful fellowship with the church. All right, so 
Uh, we're going to see in Psalm 26, there's this mention of integrity and how that's important. And then we demonstrate integrity by separating from the evil company and, and aligning intentionally with God's people. Psalm 26, 1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I've trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. Remember, David says, look, my integrity gives me great confidence that God's going to vindicate me. Verses 4 through 7. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. We talked about how the hope of Psalms that we're talking about this morning even you can't embrace these things if you're not uh, right with God. The hope of Psalms is too often embraced by those who have no rightful claim upon the content due to their current relationship with the provider. Right? We don't get to claim Psalms if we're not walking right with God. That's a, that's a caveat. That's a, that's a precursor. We have to be right with God for the Psalms to really apply to us. If we're not careful, you know, we talked about how we're like Joshua or Samson. We think God is with us, and we run off to battle Ai, or we run off to battle the Philistines. And what we don't realize is that God's not with us. God's not working for our favor, right? And so being right with God is a caveat to really being able to claim the hope of Psalms. And this idea of integrity is so important. It's being the right type of person all of the time. We certainly live in a day and age where integrity is not valued. We align ourselves with God by distancing ourselves from evil company and intentionally surrounding ourselves with godly friends. We talked about how our spiritual alignment drives our social alignment. By aligning with God and assembling for God, we can trust in his favor with no reason to fear him at judgment. You remember at the beginning or at the end of chapter 26, it talks about how God's going to come and bring judgment. And, and David cries out and says, don't group me with those people because I've already distanced myself from them today. I should not be grouped with those people in the end because I very clearly have distanced myself from those people today. This idea of vindication, God vindicating us. I had a situation arise this week where um, my, I won't say my integrity, but my, my qualifications to do my job were questioned towards me, right? Uh, in a way that it, it actually made one of my staff members angry for me. And they said, why are you not angry about this, right? Like, why, why are you not getting fired up about what, what we've just heard? Like, why are you not questioning this? Why are you not angry about this? And it was this, it was a point where, where I was able to say, well, I'm not because of Psalm 26. Because I believe God will vindicate me, right? Because, because I, I know how I'm living my life. I don't have to fight for my own vindication right here. Right? There, was a, there was a temptation to, like I wanted to run and I wanted to fight and I wanted to proclaim. And then I just kind of stopped and rested and I said, I don't have to do that right now. Right? Like that may be called into question by, by an enemy right now, but, but my Lord will vindicate me if it's needed. I don't have to fight here. Right? That's a direct application for why we are going through the book of Psalms right now. We need these truths. We need God's word to impact us daily. When we leave, there will be reasons that will come up where psalms are needed in our life, right? This section says, man, vindicate me, God. Look at my life. And that was a, that was a point in my life, a point this week where I could say, hey, I'm walking in integrity right here. I'm walking in integrity so I can trust that my Lord's gonna vindicate me if I need vindication right here, all right? 
Psalm 46, the last one we'll look at. This is where we were last week. It's the, the, the familiar passage about being still and knowing that he is God. Psalm 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, through the, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Verses 6 and 7. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, though the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Told you that the context was probably uh, Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem being pressed in by Sennacherib and the Assyrian army. And we talked about how the Old Testament teaches us that God wiped that army out. He defeated them in the night. Israel didn't even have to fight. The big idea is that God remains in control of all types of upheavals we can experience in this world. The Psalms talk about the, the, the decay of the world around us, right? The, the earthquakes and the floods and kind of the upheaval of the, the natural world. But then it transitions very quickly into the upheaval that surrounds nations, right? Nations raging against nations. Whatever upheaval we're experiencing, God remains in control. We need to know the attributes of God. We need to have a historical awareness of God and how he handles his people so that we can properly handle these natural and and national upheavals in our life that we don't have to be worried, we don't have to fear. Why? Because he's strong, he's sovereign, he makes a great place of refuge for us. Even though our life circumstances change, his covenants do not. He remains with his people. And the challenge that I gave you last week was finding time to be still and know that to find times to be still so you can better see what's actually happening around you. If we could see behind the scenes in everything in life, we probably would have a lot less fear. And we don't get to see behind the scenes all the time, but we can process better what's happening through what we see in God's word. And when we see that, when we, when we filter it through God's word, we don't have to be scared anymore. I used to work at a, when I was up in college, we used to run, um, it wasn't good. It, w- it was like a Christian haunted house type thing. Um, looking back on it, probably not the most effective way to share the gospel, right? But as a youth ministry major, like it felt very youth ministry. And so we w- I, was, I was a part of this and I ran one of the rooms in it. Um, and we would often take people through it with all the lights on, right? And, and, and you could kind of see, okay, what's really happening here, right? And it, and it would create less fear for people that might would come through later when the lights were off, because you kind of see what's really happening, right? That's what God's word gives to us. It does give us some insight into what's happening behind the scenes because we see that, okay, nations are raging against nations. That's predicted. That's expected, right? So when we see upheaval in Europe right now, that doesn't have to surprise us or cause fear because we see in Psalm, uh, Psalm 46 that God still is in control, we need to find times to be still to, to remind ourselves of that. That God's always working for the good of the individual and he's always working on the corporate global level for his glory. He'll be exalted amongst the nations. He will accomplish that. The application last week was, are you actively pursuing the time needed in the word that gives you the content to encourage your soul when you need it? Are you spending time in God's word so that your soul can be encouraged by these truths? I want to close today by looking at Two things that we need to remember from the last five weeks. 
Two things that we need to remember from these five psalms, and then two things that we can do as we leave today. Okay, so two things to remember. Number one, psalms reminds us if we want to claim the assurances found in these songs, we need to be right with God by handling our sin rightly. You can't claim God is your refuge if you're actively living in sin and have no desire to bring that into the light, right? Unrepentant sinners don't get to claim God as a refuge. Sinful sinners do, right? So it's not, it's not that, hey, you got to get your life cleaned up before you can run to God for refuge. No, you come in your ugliness, you come in your sinfulness, but you come ready to bring it into the light and say, God, I need you to deal with this. I need you to cover it. I'm tired of covering it, right? We can't claim the assurances found in these songs if we're not willing to walk rightly with God. We've got to align ourselves with the right people. We've got to distance ourselves from the wrong influences. Be right with God so that you can claim the truth of these psalms. Psalms reminds us of that. Number two, psalms reminds us that our fears about this world are best handled by knowing God and knowing how God interacted with Old Testament Israel. Right? The Old Testament is not outdated. And that's real narrative stories that help us to see how God's people have handled upheaval in their life. How God provided for them. It's the same God that works for us today. Right? So let me encourage you to go to the Old Testament. Read those stories. Read those narratives. See those upheavals. And find encouragement for your life as you see Yahweh of the Old Testament taking care of his people because he takes care of his people today. We don't have to fear. All right, so these are the things to remember, that we've got to be right with God to claim these songs, right? And that we take our fears and we filter it through what we know about God in the Old Testament, how he works with his people. What do we do? Number one, be still and assess your motives and your actions. Are you living in such a way that the Lord will have reason to vindicate you? Be still and assess your motives and your actions. Are you living in such a way that the Lord would have reason to vindicate you? We're all sinners. But again, walking in the light means I'm a sinner who doesn't cover my sin. It gives us the assurance when we're being attacked, when our character potentially is being attacked, that we can say, you know what? Vindicate me, Lord. Vindicate. Remember, remember, God told Solomon, David's son, hey, I want you to walk like your dad because your dad was a man of integrity. We know David was sinful. We know at times even David tried to cover up his sin or, or minimize his sin or justify his sin. But God looked at David overall and the work that he was doing in his life, and he said, here's a man of integrity. So it's not wrong to fight for this type of status in your own life. And it's not spiritually prideful to be able to look at your life and say, hey, I've examined my motives. I've examined my actions. Is there sin there? Yeah, but I'm bringing it into the light. And therefore, I can say, I'm a man of integrity. Vindicate me, Lord. Vindicate me, Lord. I don't want to fight for myself. I want you to fight for me, right? Number two, be still and assess your time management. Are you studying God's word in such a way that your daily emotions are impacted by it? Be still and assess your time management. Are you studying God's word in such a way that your daily emotions are impacted by it? Right? We want God's word to do what it did for me this week. In real-time moments where our faith is being challenged, and we're being tempted to maybe do something that would be outside of what we need to do, that God's word impacts our emotions at that point. Right? And, and my, my emotions were stilled in that moment. 
I said, I don't have to vindicate myself here. God can vindicate me if I need to be vindicated, right? That's God's word impacting my emotions. That comes from being in God's word. So be still and assess your time management. Are you studying God's word in such a way that your daily emotions are impacted by it? And I, and I put that there because it's not just, did you read your Bible today? Check, right? Did you read your Bible in such a way today? Was there attention given to your Bible reading in such a way today or this week that, it, that, that something's happening with it, that it's impacting you? You're seeing a remembrance, because that's what the Holy Spirit does, right? Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come and he will draw to your remembrance the things that I've taught you. That's what the Holy Spirit does in, in the daily part of our life. He draws to remembrance psalms when we need it. When we're experiencing the things that the psalmists were experiencing, we then respond like the psalmist responded, right? Because the Holy Spirit draws that to our remembrance. So let me encourage you to assess your time management. We're all busy. We all have ways to justify why we don't have time to do certain things. I was talking with Daniel Richardson, I think last weekend, and he was talking about some of the books that he's been reading. I was like, man, I just haven't been able to find time to read in a long time. Like, I'm just, I'm just busy. And he's like, yeah, I don't watch TV a whole lot. And I was like, hmm, hmm, words from, from wise Daniel, right? Because there is time. There is time to do the things that we say we want to do. It's just a matter of evaluating how are we spending our time, right? What needs to be cut out potentially so that you can fill it with the things that you know need to be there, right? We've got time to be in God's Word. It might mean sacrificing some other things, um, but we need to be in God's Word so that God's Word can impact our emotions the way that it needs to, okay? Um, we're going to transition now as we get ready to, to wrap up our time together by partaking of the Lord's Supper. Um, as we always do, I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. One thing that my dad taught me growing up is, is when we would visit churches and, and, and we, were a parts, we were parts of new churches that it was always so important to him that the pastor clearly articulated what we're doing right here. Because churches believe a whole lot of different things about the Lord's Supper, right? And so I always want to be clear about what it is we are doing when we partake because we have visitors every week that, that, that are here with us when we partake of the Lord's Supper and I want there to be clarity about what our church believes and what it is we're doing when we partake of the Lord's Supper, right? We are, not, we are not adding to our salvation by doing this. We're not certainly achieving salvation by doing this either. Um, this is a representation of what we already have expressed belief in, right? So we believe that the Lord's Supper is to be partaken by Christians. Whether you're a member of our church or not, we invite all Christians to partake of this because as you'll see, what, what Paul highlights here is that this is about remembrance, Right? This is about remembrance. We are remembering what we believe Christ has done for us. Right? And we, we seized that and took hold of that when we expressed initial faith in Christ. When we got saved, we accepted his perfect life, which is represented in the, in the bread or whatever this is that we're going to eat. Um, it's represented in that, right? that this is, this is his perfect life. It's his righteousness that we're clinging to, not our own right? Vindicate me, Lord, yes, because I'm seeking to be a man of integrity, but ultimately it's vindicate me, Lord, because of your son and his righteousness, 
right? So it's his perfect life. The, the juice represents the blood that was shed for us, right? He died in our place. It's the blood that covers our sin because there's nothing that we could do. We could not bleed enough ourselves, right? We could work our knuckles to, to the point where they are bleeding, trying to do good works, and we can't cover our sin. It's Jesus's blood that covers that for us, right? So when we partake today, we are remembering we are remembering the foundation of our faith that we believe in Jesus. We believe in his life. We believe in his death. We believe in his resurrection. Because Paul says we do this until Jesus comes back. And it's a, re- it's a reminder to us that Jesus has not come back, but we expect him to. We long for him to, right? And so I'm going to invite you to partake. We're going to pray. We're going to give you some time to reflect and pray too. There may be sins that you want to bring into the light that, that you need to in order to partake of this properly we don't partake because we're perfect right we partake because we are pursuing christ it's a it's a it's an affirmation publicly um because it would take a lot of time to baptize us all again probably right it's it's a it's another way for us to affirm affirm the covenant that god has with us so we get baptized one time and we keep taking the lord's supper after we're saved to affirm what we believe right um and so i'm going to invite you to to pray and to reflect and to prepare yourself to partake um, as we did last time, because we're in the book of Psalms, instead of singing together, we've, we've identified some people to come and to read these Psalms uh, in their entirety as a means of worship. So we're going to do that to, to um, have that, that filler time as we partake and we give you opportunity to partake. And so I encourage you as you partake to listen, to, to reflect and to worship as the Psalms are read out loud as a means of worship today. And then Tyson's going to come at the end to close us out. So let me pray for us. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you for Jesus who saves us. We thank you that we can partake today on our application Sunday. As we remember the sermons, Lord, we ultimately remember the work of Jesus that these sermons are based on. And God, we are expressing today, once again, that our desire remains intact, and that is to follow you. You are the lamb who is leading us, and we are willing to go wherever the lamb goes. And we're thankful that we do not have to fear where you lead us. You don't promise to lead us away from the fearful situations. You plan to lead us at times through those fearful situations. And when the hills are pressing in around us, we look to the hills and we cry out, where does our help come from? And we know it comes from you, Lord. We thank you for the assurance that it does. Lord, we thank you for your your, your life, your perfect life. We thank you that you fulfilled the law for us. We thank you for your death, your sacrificial death, the blood that was shed that covers our sins, that washes us white as snow. We thank you for the hope that's found in your death because your death is not final. We thank you for the hope of the resurrection that is to come. Lord, I pray that as we leave today that we would remember, we would remember you, we would remember your covenant to us. And God, help your word to shape our emotions and our feelings this week. Lord, help us to lean into you. Help us to find you as our, 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 our fortress, our refuge, our strength. Help us to remember that your steadfast love endures forever. Lord, help us to align with people who believe those same things as well. Help us to distance ourselves from those who don't. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. 
in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is Psalm 26. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. And I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence, and I go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground, and in the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Anyone, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My hope comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
the moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembers us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives good food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. And lastly, we're going to read from Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, and though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Let's pray together. Holy Father in heaven, Lord, we do lift up our eyes to you, to where our help comes from. Lord, not only our help in the midst of trials and tribulations in this earth, wars and rumors of wars and natural disasters and hardships, but God, we ultimately look up to you for our great help in our spiritual condition. Lord, when Satan tempts us to despair and reminds us of the guilt within, upward we can look and see him there who took away all of our sin 
It's because the sinless Savior died that our guilty souls can be counted free. For God, you are just and you were satisfied to look on Christ and pardon us. Father, we, we, we want to pray that we would trust that and believe that as we leave today. Thank you for these songs, the Psalms of the saints in the past that we have been able to study for these many weeks. Would you continue to convict us and encourage us where necessary? Would you lead us, Lord, in truth? Help us to be devoted to the word and to the study of your word. And may it have its impact to change our hearts, to renew our minds, and to lead us on a level path. God, may it be a light for our path, as Psalm 119 says. Lord, as we leave this place, would you strengthen us with boldness to take the gospel to our friends and our family? Would you lead us in a greater trust of your faithfulness? Lord, we are so grateful and we're so thankful. And we pray that you would be glorified in all things, in our church, in our community, and in the world and the events that are unfolding even now. God, may you reign supreme. May you receive all honor and all glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.